0: Greetings, Star Wars fans. This is Andrew from Coruscant Radio Underground. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you, always.
1: You've tuned in to the fastest-growing Star Wars Podcast on this side of Mos Eisley. This is the Scarif Podcast.
2: TK226 come in scare of control uh, you think what I'm thinking yeah it looks like they're talking Star Wars again all right welcome to part two of Star Wars inspires you know this uh, this uh, topic uh, really struck a chord with a lot of people. And thank you very much for sticking with us uh, this far. Uh, the second episode of the topic that touched a lot of you. Uh, w- wouldn't you say that, Alex? Yeah, we got a lot of great content from uh, some other contributors or other podcasts
3: um, that wanted to share their love of Star Wars with us. And and it was great to hear all those, uh, all those comments and uh, inspiring stories about how Star Wars has affected their life in a positive way. I mean, I... It was everything was positive and I loved it. It was great.
2: Yeah, it was a a little overwhelming. I didn't really, uh, I didn't realize once I started getting into the edit on that first episode. I really kind of uh, sat back and took a look at how monumental uh, it was. Uh, uh, technically, it was a it was a brutal edit because we had so many contributors, so many uh, elements to, to put in there. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, I think it came out really nice. You know, you guys, you listeners, you followers uh, uh, of the channel, you guys are the stars in that one because uh, you guys really uh, came out and played ball with us because we had a lot of contributors. Thank you very much. We had folks like Paul Meadows, who is an editor and uh, documentarian in the UK. Uh, I, I think Paul and I share a very similar story as far as you know, becoming uh from a professional standpoint, uh, you know, an editor and a, uh, a camera person, all that stuff, uh, because of Star Wars. So I hear you, Paul. And uh Jeff's message of hope was great. Um he uh he's a good guy and uh I feel great that he was able to contribute. What uh, What'd you think of uh, Fulcrum's broadcast, Michelle's uh, message of, of hope and how Star Wars inspired her? Man, not only were
3: her words just so heartfelt and pure, um, I could not believe the way you edited that together with the music in the background. I mean... You were trying to make me cry while I was at work listening to this podcast. (laughs) I was listening to it and I was like, man, that is just pure Star Wars love right there. And it was it was amazing. Uh, Thank you, Michelle, for for sending us that in uh, that recording. It was great.
2: And uh, she tagged us in Instagram. She uh, went ahead and gave us a little shout out uh, on her Instagram page. Uh, I let her know that she is welcome on the show anytime. Michelle, you can record anything you want in the future and send it our way. We would be honored to have uh, your voice in our podcast uh, for whenever you want to contribute. So thank you very much. Uh, check her out, Michelle, at uh, Fulcrum's Broadcast. Uh, it's a great uh, brand new Star Wars podcast, and uh, she's got a lot of cool things to say. Please check her out. So is there anything that we left off of our D23 news? I know uh, D23, um, you know, happened a while ago. Everybody seemed to be very excited about the Mandalorian. Um, Anything that you can think of that we might have left off, we didn't discuss? Um, That's a good question. I feel like there is, but I'm forgetting already. Did we...
3: We talked about Obi-Wan, right?
2: Yeah, we talked about Obi-Wan. One of the things that we, uh, you know, there's no real news out there other than, uh, you know, the Cassian series. It starts uh, to shoot in 2020. You had mentioned that uh, it seems like Disney Plus is really kind of uh, strategically, you know, getting getting their schedule uh, strategized uh, in order for people to have that full experience throughout the year. So, you know, we've got the Mandalorian starting. And then as soon as that ends, you've got uh, the final season of Clone Wars. So there there won't be kind of a there won't be a lapse of uh, of entertainment. It looks like, uh, you know, we're going to be able to have uh, some great new content uh a, a, on Disney plus throughout the year and uh, it's good news for some of those folks that have already subscribed. I know they had a, a three year special I think it was 140 bucks or something like that if you if you uh, signed up for a three-year deal and uh, might look into that. That's
3: only available to Disney plus uh, gold members or gold family members which I believe I just tried to join up because I was gonna nab that deal because it was a killer deal. Uh, but f- when I followed the the steps in the website, they wanted me to sign up for Disney Gold, uh, which is like ninety nine dollars a year uh, to be a club member, and then that's when you gain access to that exclusive discount. So ah, uh, uh, read the small print. Yeah, that's what I was trying to jump in on that deal because it sounded like a killer idea. I was like, oh, that's great. I'll do that. No, no problem. But you have to be you have to be a club member, which is like I said, ninety nine dollars a year. Uh, which isn't horrible but you know if you're not looking to do anything else besides just Disney plus it, it might not make sense but uh yeah uh club
2: club member do you get uh, do you get plastic ears with that <laughs> you probably you probably should <laughs> <laughs> So, Alex, one thing that we neglected to ask uh, in this particular uh, uh, episodes, You know, we're talking we're asking everybody how Star Wars inspires them. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody by now, I hope, uh, knows how Star Wars inspires me and uh, uh, our other uh, members of the uh, fan cast network. But um, how does Star Wars inspire you, Alex? Um, well... Just
3: so I don't sound like a broken record and repeat all the wonderful things that our contributors have already said, uh, I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. Um, Of course, Star Wars has been a part of my life since before I can remember. Uh, I watched the movies when I was a kid on VHS, and then when the special editions came out, I went to go see them in the theater in the 90s. Um, I was not fortunate enough to be around for the original (laughs) release in 1977. Um, but I caught the uh, reruns after that. It was, uh, it's just such a big, integral part of my life. It's always been there. And professionally, my, my job is, is industrial. It has nothing to do with movies or anything like that. But uh, trying in the route of trying to follow my passion, uh, along with this podcast and uh, the other one that I do, um, uh, something that I've been trying to get into is, uh, is narration and voice work. And one of the things that really struck me is when they did the 20th anniversary of the Thrawn Trilogy on audible.com. I believe it was Mark Thompson who narrated that book and listening to his narration and how how amazing he was at playing each different character and making the book just completely come to life. That inspired me to, to want to get involved. And I, was, I went out and, and bought a microphone and I started doing a podcast and now I'm... I'm trying to get my foot in the door and narration. And it's kind of just it's it's leading me on a path that I hope eventually will take me to a professional career. And uh, it all stems back to Star Wars. And I think that's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this a little bit before anything really happens. I mean, 10 years from now, maybe if I'm a professional narrator or something, then I can say, oh, I got my start with Star Wars because I was inspired. But I'm kind of in the middle of that path right now. So I don't want to speak too soon uh, but if it does pan out, I mean, you know, it's one of the reasons why I'm getting involved and why I'm trying to go in this direction is because of star Wars and the effect that it had on me creatively and, and how, how in awe I am at some of the content that, uh, the franchise has put out. So I'm looking forward to, uh, continuing that journey and hopefully getting something out of it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to it.
2: Your uh, voice is silky smooth here on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. We wish you all the luck in the world. You won't need it, brother. Uh, I think, uh, you know, 10 years might be too too much to, uh, to, to think about uh, your success. I'm thinking maybe uh, by next year, uh, you know, you'll be flying to new york and coming here to chicago on a regular basis doing uh, some great voiceover work but uh as you know anything that i can do to help you i i am right here for you and uh i'm very excited you're my guiding light bro you really are
3: <laughs> i'm gonna have some questions for you pretty soon because i gotta figure out all this technology stuff that i don't
2: know what to do with <laughs> it's great news alex
4: Hey, Ro, this is Charles from Conversations Podcast, and for Pat and I, Star Wars inspires our creativity. Once our jobs are done, we're inspired by Star Wars to interact with people, to build cosplay, or just seek out and find Star Wars in everyday life. It provides us a universe of stories and characters that give us an outlet to escape into a world of Star Wars-themed creativity. Thanks for this great idea of asking everybody about their creativity and how they're inspired by Star Wars. Keep up the great work, and we can't wait to listen to your next episode.
2: And speaking of new Star Wars movies, we were reading a little bit about uh, some leaks that uh, were uh, exposed by... I don't know which which account. I mean, everybody's got leaks for The Rise of Skywalker. Did you read them all, and what did you think of them?
3: Uh, yeah, I read them, and I'm not going to... I don't know if we're doing spoilers. I'm not going to say anything that will spoil or potentially spoil the movie for anybody, but I will say that... Um, a, a lot of the stuff that I was hearing, to be honest with you, I'm hoping isn't actually accurate. <laughs> um, yeah. Mostly because of the lack of explanation in episode eight. And I think the amount of stuff that is potentially going to be in nine from the leaks, at least, it has absolutely no explanation. It kind of just gets thrown in there and, and there's no rhyme or reason for it it's just kind of like well we're just going to do this because and i don't know if that's I'm, I'm just hoping that it's not true because i hope that jj can somehow manage to pick up the story where it left off in eight uh and and make it even better in nine and, and something that people can get behind i'm really am rooting for jj um and i hope these leaks are inaccurate they sound inaccurate to be honest with you they don't sound like they have a lot of substance behind them they sound i don't know just like a lot of guesswork so uh, I don't believe it. I'm I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> so I'm going into nine fresh and uh, hopefully it, it holds up to uh, at least at least my mid-level expectations for what they can do.
2: Yeah, I read some of them and uh, they seemed kind of blasé, like, you know, for The Force Awakens, I went in, <clears throat> you know, I tried to be spoiler free after so many years of no Star Wars and, and getting that. Uh, that second, uh, you know, chewy were home trailer. I was, uh, I was, n- I was numb. Um, I didn't want to get uh, any information that would spoil the experience for me. Um, I wasn't as cautious for the Last Jedi because I was so excited over uh, the Force Awakens that uh, I couldn't wait for the Last Jedi. But Luke was right. It didn't turn out the way I expected. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the Rise of Skywalker, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm not actively avoiding spoilers, but I'm not actively looking for them as well. I really want to uh, go in uh, with an open heart and an open mind to Rise of Skywalker. My buddies and I are already asking when the tickets are on sale because we are we're ready to go, man. We are ready to go. <laughs>
3: I hope most people, even if, if you're like uh, Roe and myself and The Last Jedi kind of just put a sour taste in your mouth, um, my, I guess my message would be that every movie deserves to stand on its own. The equivalent that I can think of is for somebody like me who didn't particularly care for the prequels. Um, they, don't, they didn't age as well as the original trilogy did for me. I didn't like episode two. Uh, a lot of people didn't. I know that one got pretty heavily criticized. But people love episode three. And and it holds its own. And even even if I criticize it for having some goofy dialogue, the movie itself is good and uh, a lot of fun. And of course, it satisfies that Star Wars theme. So uh, I'm hoping I'm wishing that uh, Episode nine can hold its own, despite what some people might say about Episode eight. And despite the the feelings that are behind that movie, uh, I hope Episode nine can rise above it. And uh, hey, that's a. As a pun for the for the title, <laughs> yes. I hope episode nine can rise. Oh man, that's funny.
5: Henceforth, you shall,
1: you shall be known as Darth
6: Vader. Vader. Thank you, my master.
3: Rise. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying to be um, a a positive influence in the fandom and and make sure that everybody understands, like, you know, you don't have to love it. You don't have to love episode eight. Uh, You can be disgruntled and and maybe not want to see episode nine. But I would just suggest just give it a chance. Just see if it's uh, if it's able to rekindle
2: that that love for. Star Wars, that we all have. Definitely, definitely. And how do you, uh, how will you know you don't like it if you don't see it the first time? Yeah, exactly. That's the worst thing, too, is when I see people
3: trashing on things and then I'm like, well, when did you see it? Oh, I didn't see it yet. I'm like, well, then what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Chewie, we're home. Man, your comment about The Force Awakens made me want to talk about The Force Awakens. I was like, oh yeah, I could still. I like that movie, man. I don't, you know, it, it's a yeah soft reboot of a New Hope, but I, I saw it as yeah I saw it as more of like a, I don't know, not a love letter, but just like um like a, hey, remember this? We're gonna take this and we're gonna make something better out of it, or we're gonna move forward with it. It was just kind of like a a, a starting point, you know. And I, the things that were set up in Episode Seven were solid. I I loved the I loved Ray. I loved Kylo. Uh, Snoke was a cool character. Uh, I mean, I was in. Definitely.
2: I can't wait for the sequel, Rise of Skywalker.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, Ro, I heard some rumblings that uh, the third man in our fantastic trio that we have is uh, about to be coming back. Is that true?
2: Some rebel rumblings? Yes, that is true. I got a message from Brad. He uh, is off. And safe and sound and home for the next couple of weeks. I think it's great. It's great news. We're uh, I think we're going to have him back. All three of us are going to record an episode, and uh, I'm very excited.
3: Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be um, I think one of the first times I actually get to talk with the guy, which is cool. Um, I know I've talked to him through DMs and stuff, but never, uh, you know, voice to voice over the phone. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, having a nice discussion with the full panel. We'll have uh, our, our operations will be at full power, yes. as the Emperor would say. Exactly. Fully armed and operational Scarif podcast.
7: Now witness the firepower of this fully armed and operational battle station.
2: Fire at will, Commander. We are kind of toying around with a topic for our trio to uh, tackle. And uh, as, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, we started in April, right after Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, And, uh, you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves uh, was really, uh, you know, to discuss Star Wars responsibly and, uh, you know, have our opinions. Obviously, everybody's got opinions, uh, but uh, we don't shy away from uh, our thoughts um, but then again we're you know, we're we're not uh we won't be assholes about it either. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh there's been some talk. Uh, I think John Williams' brother uh was uh I think they were at an award ceremony or something like like that and, and he announced that uh they just finished the score for the rise of Skywalker and it was uh it was over It was over two hours long, I forgot what the numbers were, but that led into some massive speculation that uh, if the score is over two, two hours or two, two and a half hours, then that must mean that the film must be... Uh, uh, close to a three hour Star Wars film which uh, leads again to even more controversy regarding uh, you know why that might be what reasons could they have to have a uh, long Star Wars movie and uh, what what do you think about that? Uh, I think it's
3: fascinating. Honestly, it, I'm glad that it's going to be a longer film. Um, I'd rather them take their time. This is you know this is supposed to be the bookend of a 40 year long franchise that is one of the world's most beloved stories. So take your time. I mean, I don't care how long it is. It's the ending. You know, it's got to be done right. Uh, I do believe that JJ had an uphill battle with the way uh, the Last Jedi left off. It was such an odd, odd man out. That movie, uh, when you look back at other Star Wars films, the way George had always done it, is there was a significant gap in between episodes, which gave our heroes that we were with in the first uh, movie a little bit of time to grow and mature and kind of change a little bit to give them a head start for their story arc. And The Last Jedi didn't do that. We all know it started within minutes after The Force Awakens ended. So the characters themselves, if you just from a narrative standpoint, haven't really changed all that much. There hasn't been that much time in, in the movies. We've only really known Rey for two or three days so far. So their characters they needed more room to breathe, I think, personally. And I think J.J., he's setting this movie about a year to a year and a half after The Last Jedi, so you're you're back to that little bit of breathing room. And then uh, he's got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, you know, we they killed off the big bad Snoke uh, in the second episode, which that was one of the things I was actually okay with. I was hoping that, that Kylo would, um, would do what Vader never did to the Emperor and kind of just take up the mantle and, and be the boss in command. So, uh, that was kind of a cool thing, but now they brought back Palpatine. So it just, I don't know, it seems a little bit messy. Um, I'm rooting for him. I hope, like I said before, I hope it's good, but, um, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle. So the more time he needs, take it. That's, that's what I'm saying.
2: Well, JJ just, uh, th- there was a quote in, uh, all the trade magazines and, 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 uh, newspapers and stuff, uh, well, I'm telling my age. Newspapers. What? What did I? What?
3: <laughs> Those don't exist anymore, Russ. gracious me.
2: <laughs> All the online publications uh, have uh, JJ saying that the uh, the last Jedi didn't derail any plans for the sequel trilogy. Um, so I, I don't know what you're talking about, Alex. Well, look, folks,
3: pay
2: hey, <laughs> professionals. I'm gonna
3: I'm gonna teach you a little something about Hollywood. <laughs> no professional director is going to. Bash another director's work where he's still tied to the same production company. So J.J. is never going to say anything bad about *The Last Jedi*. Of course, he's going to praise it. He's going to say whatever he needs to say. He's going to be a professional, and and so he should. I don't I don't blame him for that. I think that's a good way to be. Um, the what I would counter that argument with is if you look at some of the interviews with Daisy Ridley and also John Boyega at the same convention at D23, I believe. They both expressed the same idea that eight was a bit of a challenge for them. Uh, John Boyega said that eight did not go in the direction he thought his character was going to go. So that was a challenge for him to try and change gears. And then the same thing with um, with Daisy. She said that, you know, her her character kind of felt stagnant. I'm paraphrasing, but it kind of felt stagnant. And she said in Rise of Skywalker, she actually feels like her character has progressed. So there's, you know, there's they're politely saying like, yeah, we didn't expect them to do what they did. But, you know, now we're moving forward and everything's great. So uh, you have to take everything they say with a grain of salt. They're paid professionals. Disney pays their checks. They're not going to openly bash a movie on the red carpet. That's just bad etiquette. <laughs> and, I, you know, even if I didn't like that movie, I wouldn't support an actor doing that. I would see that as very unprofessional. Um, I think I think Mark Hamill is probably the only one that has kind of gotten away with it because he is who he is. And he's said some things about episode eight that we all know by heart by now um, Jake Skywalker and and all that stuff. So, you know, there's, you can't ignore everything that's been put out about that episode. It was a, maybe what JJ meant was his original plan is still going to go through. They just had to rewrite a couple of segments. So it didn't derail anything. Maybe he's just saying, you know, he went that way. I'm going to try and pick it up and go and continue on the way I was thinking.
2: You know, we want you guys to chime in as well. Uh, I know, um, you know, we from time to time we have some uh, colorful opinions regarding, uh, you know, how Star Wars is going. Um, But, uh, you know, always lifelong fans and always very excited to see uh, Star Wars in any incarnation. But uh, tell us what you think. Do you guys agree with what we are saying? Somewhat, not at all. We're crazy, lock us up, uh, or, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, let us know what you guys think. Uh, We are always happy to uh, talk about that, for sure.
0: The whole franchise of Star Wars has impacted me in a tremendous way. I heavily enjoy watching these brilliant stories of struggle, redemption, and tenacity in the face of danger and tyranny, while empathizing with many of these characters. Growing up, I watched a ton of Star Wars, and still do now, but what connected with me the most is the Clone Wars TV show, and I was amazed by this show's storytelling and treatment of the characters. In particular, I found the character of Ahsoka Tano to be both very relatable and intriguing. These experiences taught her to listen carefully, think critically, and have fortitude. I was definitely amazed and inspired by her journey, and the Clone Wars has subsequently taught me those same lessons, whether it was persevering through brutal football workouts in high school, dealing with complex relationships among friends, or showing patience in stressful situations. Another great thing about the Clone Wars is that while Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka are the main characters of the series, there are plenty of episodes in which none of them make an appearance. It really widens the Star Wars universe as a whole as it puts a spotlight on many different characters throughout the show. Just like the world doesn't revolve around us as much as we'd like to think otherwise, as there are billions of other people, each facing many choices to make and many lessons to learn, it inspires me to exhibit more compassion and kindness to other people as they could use help from friends and even strangers throughout their lives as they encounter those difficult decisions just like the compassion and kindness that the Ghost Crew displayed to Ezra in the Season 1 premiere of Rebels, without even knowing him and regardless of his self-centered intentions. And the kindness of the Ghost Crew continued to the people of Town on Lothal, giving them food without asking for anything in return. Not to get political but through the stories of Star Wars we can and should be inspired to unite to fight against injustice and persecution even in small ways and in turn assist and inspire others with our bravery our generosity and our hope never give up hope no matter how dark things seem so I wish this Star Wars inspiration segment has been enlightening for you and not too long-winded Feel free to disagree with anything I've said. I'm Trevor Beast, 454, and that's the Scuttlebutt.
2: So last time around, we recorded uh, our Sentry Mode segment, which we didn't get a chance to play. And if you recall, Sentry Mode is that little Q&A segment that Brad and I started way back when we asked each other five questions and we each have five seconds to answer uh, a lot of fun. And uh, Alex and I did that. Uh, when did we do that? Was that that was the last episode? Uh, uh, is Star Wars dead? I think we did a uh, century mode. That yeah, you guys uh, or you asked a, co- a bunch of questions for
3: me, which I got all five correct. I just want to say
2: excellent. Yeah, we'll have to rewind and and, and uh, fact check you there, Alex. But uh, yeah, we <laughs> did uh, another uh, century mode this time around. Let's check it out and see if Alex got them all right to this time. Actually, no, you asked me the, the questions, right? Let's see if I got them all right. Yeah, let's see if you got them all right. All right, let's go. That's right and uh thank you very much Kane Blust that is his voice he helps us out uh when uh, whenever i need a little uh radio drop in he graciously uh offers his voiceover talents to that but uh yeah Sentry mode we got this little game that uh, we ask each other five questions you know we try to answer them in 5 seconds or less alex uh looks like he's got uh, a set of five questions for me to tackle and i hope i uh prove myself the uh the the star wars champion here but let's go round one of uh century mode it's uh my turn to answer questions alex what do you got all right
3: question number one ro what was luke skywalker's call sign in episode four for the battle of the death star
2: red five
3: red five loud and clear question number two what rebel, Mon Calamari General, was in charge of the assault on Scarif? It's a trap, Admiral Akbar! Negative. General Radis was in charge of the assault oh, on Scarif. You know what?
2: I just, yeah, you're right. I, um, <laughs> I, like, focused in on, uh, on Mon Calamari. I'm like, oh, I know this one.
3: <laughs> the assault on Scarif was General Raddus.
2: <clears throat> Pay attention, Ro.
3: All right, question number three. What planet did Yoda seek isolation on after his battle with the Emperor?
2: You must go to the Dagobah system.
3: Yes, Dagobah. Dagobah. Number four. When is the first time Luke hears Obi-Wan's voice after his death?
2: I think right after his death, when they were still uh, shooting at stormtroopers, when they were escaping from the Death Star.
3: Well done.
2: He heard uh, Obi-Wan say, run, Luke, run.
3: Yes, very good. You get extra points for knowing what the quote was, too. (laughs) Question number five. Name the stolen shuttle used to infiltrate the moon of Endor.
2: Oh, it's one of my favorite ships, and I think it's one of your favorite ships, at least when it comes to paperclips. It is the Tidereum Shuttle.
3: That is correct. Very good,
2: Ro. That's uh, four out of five. Excellent. <laughs> yes, excellent. And, uh, you know, i got to pay more attention to uh, what people tell me because, like I said, I, I just focused in on Mon Calamari and... Uh, I just picked the wrong one. I tripped you up with that one, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. That's the only one. i that... like, yeah, it's all original trilogy questions. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I, s- I said,
3: except one, except one. That was the only one that wasn't. <laughs> yeah. This
5: is Sentry Mode.
2: Awesome. Yeah, so folks, that is Sentry Mode. We'll play that on Twitter from time to time. We've got a little Sentry Mode segment on Twitter. And I hope you guys uh, check that out. If you haven't, just look for the hashtag SentryMode, S-E-N-T-R-Y, Mode. Have some fun with us. Answer some Star Wars questions.
1: Come, sit. Your helmets, remove them. Your faces, I wish to see. There's not much to look at here, sir. We all share the same face. Deceive you, eyes can. In the Force, very different each one of you are. Greece, always focused on the enemy, are you? For inspiration, look to yourself, and those beside you. Jack, concerned about weapons you are? Weapons do not win battles. Your mind, powerful it is, hmm? Outthink the droids, you can. Thyre, rush not into fights. Long is the war, only by surviving it. Will you prevail? Yes. Hmm. Clones, you may be, but the Force resides in all life forms. Use it you can to quiet your mind.
2: Awesome. So, hey, we just had uh, Victor from Fandads. He just uh, was texting me. He was talking about how. Uh, One of our shows, uh, he says, your show just made me wish that 1313 game was never canceled. Uh, Thanks for that. Um, Which episode did we talk about 1313? I think, uh, was it uh, hashtag is Star Wars dead? Was that the one? It might have been, yeah. Yeah, that was a really
3: cool game. Um, I I was just reading up some more information on it, and apparently there was rumors that you were actually going to be playing a young Boba Fett, and by the end of the game is when you achieve you know bounty hunter status and you get your armor and i was like that would be so freaking cool
2: oh wow that's fantastic yeah thank you victor from fan dads speaking of mandalorian uh we've got uh raul mares Sorry, Raúl, we couldn't get you in the first episode, but uh, you've been tweeting about Mandalorian armor, and now that we uh, have been talking to Dominic Pace, it it seemed pretty fitting. Let's uh, check out the Mara's report and uh, hear what Raúl has to say about Mandalorian armor.
5: We've intercepted a Rebel transmission. It's StarTech, the Mara's report. Shall we jam comms director? No, let it go through.
0: We'll have troops waiting to intercept on Scarif Station.
7: Hello everyone, this is Raul Mares. I am very happy to be once again sharing with you in the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. Thank you for having me once more here. I'm going to speak to you a little bit about Boba Fett, his armor, and uh, his equipment. Mandalorian armor was traditionally made out of almost indestructible Mandalorian iron known as Beskar, but this was very rare and expensive. So many Mandalorians opted for less durable materials instead such as durasteel or duraplast. Fett's Mandalorian armor was originally constructed from duraplast, allowing it to sustain a great deal of damage without degrading it. On his left duraplast blast plate, a digital life support system reader was visible. Fett also wore a power armor liner. This liner shirt had a micro energy field projector and two layers of layers of thin ceramic plates in order to disperse physical and blast impacts, reducing injuries and likelihood of knockdowns. Fett used and wore also the very famous Mitre Z6 jetpack. This fuel tank, uh, the fuel tank on his jetpack, held enough fuel for three 20-second blasts. Each uh, three-second blast moved FET up to 100 meters horizontally or seven meters vertically. FET could reach a top speed of 145 kilometers per hour with a maximum range of two kilometers.
1: Rockets, rockets. I see them. Tell them who you were?
7: That's
6: probably why they're shooting at us.
7: One of the most, one of the most important aspects of Boba Fett's armor and equipment were, were his wrist gauntlets. Boba Fett's wrist gauntlets were a mounting point for many of his weapons. His left gauntlet had a Zerka ZX miniature flame projector, which created a cone of fire five meters long and one meter in diameter. Directly below this was a DUR-24 wrist laser. Comparable to a blast rifle in power, these wrist lasers had a range of 50 meters. Originally exposed, a protective shield was later added to the left gauntlet enclosing and concealing both weapons. Last but not least, FET was known to carry... Occasionally with him, one of the several lightsabers he had taken from Force sensitives over the course of his bounty hunting career. Despite having no sensitivity to the Force, Fett is one of, uh, of the few non-Jedi Sith capable of using uh, a lightsaber, a feat traditionally reserved only to Force sensitives. In, in the several instances that he had been shown to use uh, a lightsaber, it was usually being uh, as a, uh, being used as a last resort in fighting force sensitives. All right,
3: Ro, so we've got a couple of followers of ours and some fellow podcasters that uh, happen to be school teachers, and they've been sharing some really cool information about how they use Star Wars in a very specific way to teach younglings. Why don't you tell us about
2: that, man? You guys know Andy and Josh from the Holocronicles podcast, uh, great podcast. If you guys are collectors, check them out because they've got some tips. And uh, I listen to them all the time to see how best I can improve my collection. And uh, Andy, I guess, is a teacher. Uh, he's been using Star Wars from time to time, uh, and uh, he sent me a note saying that uh, Star Wars seems to be a a great common ground for students to connect with the lesson plan. He sent me a picture of a student note that uh, on the bottom it says, P.S. I appreciate your fondness for Star Wars.
8: Hey, everybody. This is Andy. I'm one half of the Holocronicles podcast, and the guys at the of Scuttlebutt have asked me to talk to you about what inspires me. From Star Wars using the hashtag Star Wars inspires well as you can see behind me here Star Wars is kind of important to me and as a result you know I collect that's I show my fandom through my collection and I'm pretty proud of it Um, but how does it inspire me well man it's hard to say because Star Wars has always been in my life always I don't know what life is like without Star Wars And so to really feel the impact of Star Wars in my life, hard to measure because it's always been there. From an early age, I was playing with Star Wars toys. I was watching the movies. And, you know, eventually later on as an adult, I was collecting. And heck, I even named my oldest son Dash. His middle name is not Randar, but you get the idea. I love Star Wars. And Here's one way I thought that it, it has really inspired me. I think there's really two things that come to mind. But the first is I'm a school teacher and I have actually used Star Wars as a common ground with students in trying to relate to them and getting them to buy in and what's going on in my class. So we talk about, hey, you know, our interests and, you know, and I'm always wearing some sort of Star Wars t shirt. I'm not today, but A S U A S U. Anyway. I'm digressing. Star Wars has been a common ground for me and other students to um, relate to each other. We might have totally different backgrounds and upbringings and, man, we might just have a list of differences, but we have one thing in common. We're both excited about how Episode 9 is going to turn out or what we liked and what we didn't like about Solo or... Do we just have a ton of things to talk about? Resistance, kids are into resistance, and the Clone Wars, and it's just, it's an excellent common ground that I've been able to use to get to know my students a little bit. And that's inspiring. They find something that they can relate with to me, I find something that I can talk about with them, and it's all good. The second thing that has been inspiring about Star Wars that I have found is you guys. You guys. You guys. I've only been on Twitter for a little bit, but in that time, I've seen a ton of awesome collections and their setups, and people are so creative in how they want to set up their figures and or their poster displays or their Funko Pop stack of pyramid display, and it's inspiring because as a collector, I want to present my stuff in cool and unique ideas, um, To make them my own, but some of you guys I've stolen some ideas from because they've just been so good. You inspire me through Star Wars. So I think that counts, right? It's got to count. Anyway, thanks Scarif Scuttlebutt for giving me the chance to share with you um, how Star Wars has inspired me moving forward. And I can't wait to hear other stories too about how Star Wars has inspired you, how it's Made an impact on your life and maybe people close to you. So anyway, this is Andy from the Hollow Chronicles podcast signing off. Thanks, Scuttlebutt crew. Appreciate the opportunity. Star
2: Wars is a great tool for teaching. Uh, you know, teaching younglings, as you said, Star Wars in class. I've been following their account um, for a while, and uh, they really have some really cool stuff. I was able to speak with Thomas. Uh, He was telling me that uh, they started by using Indiana Jones as a teaching tool, and that's a no-brainer. Indiana Jones, archaeologist, adventurer, even uh, from the young Indiana Jones Chronicles uh, you know, he was uh, able to travel with famous people in that show, if you guys remember. And it's a very fascinating process. Um, I, I would totally take that class, wouldn't you?
3: Heck yeah, man. Those are a bunch of lucky kids. I had one teacher. I think it was the sixth grade. Uh, it wasn't really Star Wars related, but it ha- he had toys from every—I'm sure there was something Star Wars in there. Uh, toys lining his entire uh, classroom. He had a toy train that went all the way around. That's probably one of my fondest memories of being in school. So teachers who, who go through that extra effort to try to connect to their students, uh, I think it makes a lasting impression, and good for you guys for doing that.
2: It definitely does make a lasting impression. You know, ja, uh, Andy uh, said uh, it, it, it's a uh, common ground for students to connect, and that's exciting for us because that uh, really shows you how Star Wars inspires. Let's take a listen to Thomas and Star Wars in Class. What's up, scuttle buddies? This is Ro. So I've got a special interview here. We've got Thomas from Star Wars in the Classroom. It's a great Twitter channel that uh, has inspired me for quite uh, some time since I followed them. Thomas, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. So uh, Star Wars in the Classroom. Uh, like I said, I've I've been following your account for quite some time. You guys do some really cool stuff, and obviously. You know, it it seems like Star Wars inspires your students, and uh, uh, obviously Star Wars inspires a lot of us Star Wars fans, uh, both professionally and uh, personally. Tell me a little bit about what you do with Star Wars in the class. What is it all about?
1: Yeah, so um, Wes Dodgins and I are two two teachers, uh, lifelong educators, who have been using Star Wars uh, in our lesson plans for, oh gosh, over 20 years. When I um, first started teaching in the early 90s, I was teaching history, and that's my primary subject I, I've taught over the years, and found that students really um, connected with content more when it was personalized and relevant. And of course, there's lots of research to bear that out. But as a young teacher, I was just kind of stumbling into that. And from, a, from, an early, uh, from those early years, I began to work in Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Uh, Whenever I could, uh, because kids really uh, engaged with with that material, Um, I taught ancient history for a long time and would use Star Wars to uh, teach the basics of mythology, especially around Joseph Campbell's ideas of the hero's journey. So Wes is also a history teacher, and so uh, we began to develop curricula together and have, uh, gosh, launched the website – Star Wars in the Classroom. Um, also, we have another website, Indy Indie in the Classroom, for Indiana Jones lessons. And we launched Indy in 2007 and followed up with uh, with Star Wars a few years after that. And really, uh, our, our goal is to serve as kind of a conduit for providing lesson resources for teachers um, across all content areas to inspire their kids to learn with Star Wars.
2: That's fantastic. And what kind of lessons do you incorporate Star Wars in uh, in your classes? How, how does that work?
1: Primarily, um, as I said, I, I, I used a lot of um, the mythological elements of Star Wars over the years, as well as, well as the, the histo- historical elements. Um, I developed an ancient history class that I taught for a number of years for ninth graders, that we, we watched the original all three films of the original trilogy uh, throughout the course interspersed through, and so early on we would um, at the, you know, the second week of school we we're watching Star Wars and so a lot of kids were like well this is history class I thought history was just boring, <laughs> um, but we uh, we were talking about um, the how we know we know how we know what we know about the past. Um, you know, um, written evidence, archaeological evidence, oral tradition. And with the oral tradition, we um, spent time talking about stories and how stories um, have been our, our primary means uh, for thousands of years of importing information. And so that's when we got into um, uh, analyzing uh, myths. And I told them that, you know, throughout our course in ancient history, we were simply going to be telling stories of these ancient civilizations, and that they would lear- come to learn that um, people throughout time pretty much tell the same stories.
3: For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice
6: in the Old Republic, before the dark times, before the Empire.
1: You know, I would, um, would, would teach the, the historical content um, with, the, with the movie, so we draw parallels to the rise and fall of ancient Rome, um, the rise and fall of Nazi Germany. Um, gosh, there's so many parallels. Um, for Tatooine, you know, there's, in a, there's a, a, a New Hope, um, there's a lot of connections with uh, the, the frontier myth in American history in the Old West. There's so many parallels. So um, whenever we can find a connection that we could integrate um, Star Wars in to make it more relevant to the kids, we find an opportunity to do that.
2: That's fantastic and uh yeah, you know, coming from uh, a fan who was also an Indiana Jones fan, I used to watch The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles and I think what uh w- what you mentioned uh, really was illustrated very well in that series because, you know, he went on an adventure with a historical figure or a place, you know, every week on on that show and uh it's it's really fantastic. You know, George Lucas really has this uh way of uh teaching uh the young uh you know up and coming uh young people uh the the story of myth and and human struggle uh through these films um you know when you strip away the fantastic spaceships and laser swords and wizards and stuff i mean star wars really has uh plenty there to kind of uh wet your whistle when it comes to uh being an uh, an educator isn't that right
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, um we we have a lot of teachers in our in our um our professional learning network called the Rogues, um, that we, we offer through Star Wars in the classroom. For a couple of reasons we call it the Rogues. Of course, if you're teaching the Star Wars, you're kind of an outlier. Um, you know you are a rogue. Um and of course, paying tribute to uh, you know, Rogue Squadron, but we have math teachers, we have music teachers. I tell you we have some amazing PE teachers in our network. Um, that um, have put their students through Jedi exercises and all these, these uh, Star Wars-themed games that, uh, again, it's just something to, uh, to inspire the kids to, to get involved and, and want to learn.
2: Bringing that aspect of uh, learning into, you know, everyday, uh, I guess, learning, like you were saying, it uh, it really brings whatever lesson plan alive, you know. You, you tell maybe uh, someone that's not familiar with the films that uh, this is the type of thing you do. How do you how do you kind of explain it? How do you uh, kind of quantify uh, using you know Indiana Jones and Star Wars something f- you know that is not typically known for you know like like learning or or, or um, you know educational purposes? How do you explain that to to folks?
1: It it all goes back, I think, to the power of story and um, the power that story has to inspire us to learn. You know, our brains really are wired for learning and, excuse me, are wired for stories. And so um, we can tap into that power to encourage learning new content. You know, there's a lot of research that shows, too, that when you are emotionally involved with a subject subject. That you're learning for the first time, you're more likely to remember it. And you know, kids get excited when you make something that um, is outside of their ordinary experience in the school classroom. Um, when you move beyond that and and make it relevant to things that they like, uh, be it Harry Potter or be it Marvel characters, you know, Captain America or whatever. Um, when you are making that content relevant to something they like, then they're much more likely to remember it and to be engaged with it. And so, you know, I um I often ask people, you know, hey, if if you and I were at a party, how do we get to know each other? You know, it's the first time we've met, we begin to, to um begin to relate stories to one another about, you know, something that happened recently or um something that we've done in the past. You know, you and I just met um, here on on the phone for the first time and a few minutes ago and you told me this amazing story uh, about your first time you saw star wars um and it had to do with a hot dog and so Ooh, those right. kind of things are you know i will remember that now okay uh, i'll always associate that with you it's a great story through the force
7: things you will see other places the future the past old friends long gone Hunt Han, leah Uh. control control you must
1: control
2: it is fantastic and and it's definitely something that i think more people should kind of embrace uh this way of of teaching and and relating to stories because like you said you know uh strip everything away and we're all we're all stories and we're all similar so what kind of feedback do you get from your students in uh teaching this way what do you what do you what do the kids say
1: in the early 90s when i first started teaching with uh andy and star wars all most all kids were, were familiar with those with those characters um as we proceeded through the 90s you know right before the re-release um you know the special editions rather the so the release the special editions the uh, i guess that was what that was 90 um Ninety-seven,
2: Yeah, somewhere in there.
1: Um, for the 20th anniversary, yeah. By that time, there were a lot of kids had not seen Star Wars um, that I was teaching. And so, you know, regardless, you're always going to have those kids at the beginning of the year. Hey, you know, we're going to watch the original trilogy of Star Wars this year. It's going to have a history. Like, trust me, you know, you're going to enjoy it. And you don't have those kids like, oh, really, man? Star Wars is stupid. Star Wars, I've never seen that. It's got to be dumb. And by the time we finish Empire Strikes Back and there's the big reveal uh, with with Luke and Vader, you've got – they are hooked. It's like, what? No way. No, no, no. You know, cause <laughs> it's funny. There, there are some kids I still do not know um, that connection, especially if they have nothing to do with you know with Star Wars fandom or they're not really engaged in pop culture in general. Isn't that
2: crazy? Yeah. Um,
1: it is. You know, there's still there's still some folks I don't know. And so um, I don't think I've ever had a single student um, at the end of uh, that that unit of study say uh, they really didn't enjoy it.
2: Wow, that's fantastic. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for being open to having this discussion. And uh, I I had a lot of fun and, and I learned a lot. Uh, I'm uh, doubly inspired now.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Rover, for having me on. And, um, and uh, good luck as you continue to grow the podcast. And congratulations on, on a great start.
2: Awesome. Thank you very much. That is the Scuttlebutt.
9: Greetings to all my Star Wars people out there. Dr. Jones here. And today we are going to attend one of the largest events that we do each year. We're going to talk about how Star Wars can inspire more than just costuming and giving to charity. It can actually inspire people's lives down to the professions that they pick and the careers that they pursue. This is Tales from Tyrannus.
5: This is Aaron Scare this is our annual Halloween event uh, here at the National Air and Space Museum at the Udwag Hazy location just outside of Dulles Airport. Uh, this is one of the biggest Halloween events and best-known Halloween events here in the National Capital Region. <laughs> You know what? Those kids inspire me. I just see the excitement in their eyes, and I especially love it when the little kids in the Star Wars costumes come up. They have this look of wonder. It's like, wow, look at those guys. And then some of them are actually brave enough to come up to give us a little leg hug. Some are a little scared, and that's okay. We can we can work with that. But those kids are great. This is part of why I do this. But it's just a lot of fun, that's all. I mean, the real world, real life is hard enough. Um, we need something to just op- remind us of the kid that we once were. Um, I am an aerospace engineer and an officer in the United States Air Force by trade. Um, I grew up with Star Wars and I used to sit at home uh, drawing the Star Wars spaceships and just like, yeah, I want to be part of that. I mean, this literally inspired me to become an aerospace engineer and a military officer.
9: Well, hope you enjoyed today's tale. You want to come out and join us for a troop? Head on over to the forums at 501st.com or see us at garrisontyrannus.com for all the information that you need. Or you can email me directly at talesfromtyranus@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Enjoy yourself. I hope to see you out there at your next troop in costume trooping. And as always, may the Force be with you.
3: Scarif Podcast wants to thank the 501st for letting us share that wonderful clip about how Star Wars inspires. Ken Jones, the 501st, and Tales from Tyrannus. Thank you guys for keeping the torch lit and reminding us all to be the best Star Wars fans we can be. So, Ro, we got a really great opportunity to sit down, or you did anyway, to sit down and talk with uh, actor Dominic Pace, who is a really cool guy, really down to earth. I loved his story. And um, and we got some really exciting news at the end that he was actually involved in the production and acted in The Mandalorian. That's going to be coming out November 12th. How freaking cool is that?
2: that is extra frickin' cool if I may say so myself yeah Dominic Pace you know he's a great actor he's uh, got he has a lot of uh, projects um, and I love the fact that uh, you know he utilizes his collection as he was inspired to, uh, to to be an actor and and give back to his community in Los Angeles where he lives and and uh, growing up in, in what did he say New York so it's really fantastic to hear. Uh, you know, professional stories about how Star Wars inspires them uh, by giving back. You know, we didn't, uh, we, we talked for, for a little bit, uh, Dominic and I, and there's a few stories of uh, collecting in Star Wars that uh, I, I didn't include in the first episode, but here is more of Dominic Pace, and I know you guys are going to enjoy this. You know, we're going to have him back. We're going to have him back, and he's going to talk specifically about his experience on The Mandalorian. You know, uh, off the record, he gave us uh, some really cool tidbits uh, in our DMs. We can't wait to, to share those tidbits with you. And hopefully we'll get a second trailer of The Mandalorian real soon. Uh, we'll see uh, We'll see if he uh, has uh, some secrets, some more secrets on uh, from the set of The Mandalorian. But let's take a listen to some more of Dominic Pace. Dominic, as far as your work, what uh, what are some of the projects that, uh, or, or what type of characters do you like playing? Would, uh,
4: um... Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind the stereotype. I, I don't mind, you know, I'm an Italian-American from New York. I don't mind the tough guy. I think there's a lot of layers that you can play. It's not so much just the stereotype of a two-dimensional heavy or a thug. Um, I enjoy it. It's it's fun to be menacing and, and sort of, uh, you know, uh, brooding and, and powerful and, and to use my, my height to my advantage. Um, but as far as just things that I've been proud of, uh, I was been at, I've been at this business since 1993. Uh, when I left high school and then I started dabbling in it in college briefly. On the weekends, I would go out for auditions uh, from Marist College in Poughkeepsie uh, down to New York City. So 1993 to 2003 was a struggle and a fight. In 2003, I received my first guest star on national television on the, on the show uh, NYPD Blue. And uh, it was an interrogation scene. I was with Gordon uh, Clapp and Henry Simmons uh, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And to me, that was just uh, such a monumental moment to the fact that, of course, you know, it wasn't necessarily such a a big break. But at least to represent the 10 years of hustle and not giving up and staying focused, uh, that uh, role in particular meant so much to me. Uh, I did it again in 2005 uh, just because of the popularity of the show Desperate Housewives. I guest starred on one of the episodes. And then as far as something that was fun, I do stunts every now and then. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I got some stunts coming up. Uh, and uh, I, it was a show, uh, Prison Break, and it was the fourth season. And for me, again, going back to childhood where I had a, I grew up with 30 kids on my block in Austin, New York. And it was sort of the fun of playing cops and robbers or playing sure. you know, role playing in the back trails. Um, I had this just this great, fun chase scene with the main cast of uh, Prison Break where I had stunts and lines and uh, it, that, they squibbed me up. And what squibs is basically like blood packets that they put in your suit or in your clothes uh, that when they uh, go off, they, have, they hit like a little small detonator and, and like a little firecracker and they explode. Um, it was just so much fun to choreograph that. And, and for me, I, I, I'm so grateful for that moment and those two days, uh, just because, again, that was something I always wanted to do when I was a kid.
2: That's fantastic. Uh, a buddy of mine, uh, the um, the friend slash brother that I mentioned earlier before we started, uh, Rich, uh, in high school, we used to do uh, stuff like that. We used to have chase scenes and film. We used to film movies in the summer and then kind of like have, you know, cast parties with our friends in the winter, you know, take a couple of weeks to to edit the, the films. And, uh, yeah, we used to make our own squibs. Obviously back then you can run you you can be kids and run around with uh plastic guns. Nobody'll no nothing nobody'll say anything to you but a different time now, obviously. You know.
4: Uh, yeah, please. I mean don't, don't get me started. You know, I mean like I said, we used to have so much fun back then and it was so refreshing to watch Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger uh, uh go go a uh, AWOL, you know. I mean it was it was it was such a joy, you know. Obviously now we're in a different time. But the same thing. I mean we didn't have a shred of violence in us. It was just fun to create and to pretend and, and I had the same joy On screen as well
2: that has to be an amazing feeling to be able to do this for a living to pretend to uh to act to to, you know to to just step out of reality for a while and uh you know be in in projects uh i gotta tell you I, i envy you that's uh that's a fantastic uh fantastic story so dominic tell me uh who is your favorite star wars character and why
4: uh, I mean, I think we have to go back to Boba Fett. I mean, you know, it was just a limited screen time, but obviously the magic and the interesting, uh, aspect of not only his costume, but also, you know, uh, the first time you saw him on screen, not to mention the action figure itself. I mean, of course, you know, we love Luke and Vader and, and, and Kenobi, but uh, at the same time, it was just, there was something so badass about that mask and the colors, uh, especially that popped out on the action figure, uh, that made it so cool. Um, I do love uh, Harrison Ford. He is probably my favorite male actor of all time. I mean, the alpha presence is just absolutely amazing, something lacking uh, terribly in Hollywood today. Uh, I don't think anyone has ever matched him. I do love DiCaprio, um, but there was obviously something about Ford and, and Solo. But I, I, you just can't beat uh, the mystery of Boba Fett, you know, even as, as far back as when he premiered on the, uh, what was it, the Christmas uh That Bomb of a a Christmas (laughs) special. (laughs)
6: Right.
4: (laughs) You know, it already piqued the interest of the fans. And, uh, you know, I just learned just recently that the mask was shaped like a Spartan. I didn't I didn't I never saw that until this past year where I was like, yeah, but it just it has. You know, he was inspired, of course, by the old um, Spartan masks there. But uh, you just can't beat it, especially with the rocket launcher and all that. I think it was uh, probably one of the coolest uh, for a kid of the 80s there.
2: Yeah, everybody says it's, uh, and you can tell me for sure because you're an actor. Is is, is it always fun or, or more fun to to play the bad guy?
4: Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, more or less, it depends. What I enjoy is the depth of a script, so where you're able to show um, uh, what I call, obviously, it's. I mean, it's it's a, just a cliche, but three dimensions. So where you know it's really about the dialogue, where you're able to show those different levels. But as far as imposing and as far as letting out the anger in an imaginary world. I cannot tell you how therapeutic that is. Oh yeah, I, I can and imagine. And I would, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have some business seminars with companies to where they bring in perhaps a, a psychologist and such, where everybody's in the room and perhaps you know yelling or screaming. And I'll tell you, I had an audition for Blue Bloods uh, back in 2011. It was up for I was up for a guest star. I didn't get the part, but believe it or not, I, I laugh at this because I walked out of the audition. I felt so good because it was like three minutes of yelling at somebody and I walked out and I just felt so alive and so refreshed in terms of getting everything off your chest. You know, it's like when we have road rage, it's not like you're going to get out of the car, but there's something so refreshing about it sometimes, (laughs) you know, when somebody catches you. So I guess I I would make it uh, sort of equal to that when you have like a polite, uh, respectful, nobody's getting out of the car, but just that refreshing road rage. Or you just get it out if somebody's obviously driving like an idiot
2: so Dominic tell uh tell our listeners where they can find you currently
4: uh sure uh Dominic pace one is Instagram uh, I do have a Facebook fan page uh, Dominic pace uh my personal page is Nicholas pace uh, and then also you can find me on Twitter uh Dominic P pace and then also on LinkedIn as well i'm I'm very active on there as well I enjoy that site uh, because it's strictly business and less about uh politics or or any other uh, uh, dramatic selfies that I really don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so uh, real fast, you know, you're talking about inspiration. Uh, you're also inspired to visit a lot of movie locations and and uh, sets around the country. Tell us a little bit about that.
4: Again, going back to the magic and the memories of childhood, um, John Hughes in Chicago in particular, you know, who didn't love Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller's, Day off for sixteen candles. Um, I have made a hobby, and uh, it's sort of fading now because I've almost gone to some of my favorite places around not only the country but also the world. Uh, last year I was in Malta. One of my favorites in 1980 was uh, Popeye, starring Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. Oh yeah, uh, that was one of my favorites. The whole village is still up. It was a fake set, and the village is still there, right on wow. the water. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but there's something magical about. Uh, you know, I it to that uh, scene in Mary Poppins where you jump into your favorite painting and there's something very magical to step in the shoes uh, uh, or uh, you know to walk in the footsteps of some of your favorite characters. There's a town up in Oregon called Brownsville, Oregon and it is this old 1950s town. They filmed all of Stand By Me there and I promise you if you ever visit it is the most magical feeling on earth if you come from the 80s because it almost puts you within the film. The only thing heartbreaking about it is missing the life of River Phoenix. Um, but other than that Uh, there was something so sentimental and beautiful about it. Uh, up in Astoria, there's Goonies. That was one of my favorites up in the Valley here in California. You have Karate Kid and Back to the Future. Venice High School was one of my favorite uh, musicals, which was Grease starring, uh, John Travolta in Staten Island, New York. You have the Godfather going out to Martha's Vineyard. You have the legendary Spielberg, one of his first projects there, which was Jaws. Um, so it's been a lot of fun to pay tribute to some of my favorite artists directors and actors uh some of the originals even tulsa oklahoma which was the outsiders uh to just walk in those footsteps of some of the legendary actors who are still with us and uh some who have moved on is is really uh special and it was something that oh my god i think i've got over 250 now i have a couple of albums and i have a video on youtube of uh all the uh, fun spots that i visited throughout the country there i was going to say i would like to do a road trip with some diehard star wars fans and I, i kid you not yeah, on, on the way to Vegas, uh, there is a town called Baker, and it's about uh, two and a half hours from Los Angeles. If you take it uh, an hour north, it's in the middle of the desert, so we need to be with some trustworthy Star Wars fans. Cause yeah. I don't even think there's any reception <laughs> out there <laughs> with a ton of water. Um, but that is an area called Dante's Peak, and that's where they filmed, uh, I think, some of four. But I know definitely uh, Episode 6 was there as well, combined with uh, the fact that they did it in... They did the um, oh god I forget the name of it in Arizona Yuma yeah in Yuma. Yuma they did the yeah they did the uh, the Starlight Pit uh, over there but uh, the Jabba's Palace was in this area called Dante's Peak which is about an hours north from uh, um, Baker there so I I would love to do that fan road trip with a group of guys uh, that are diehard Star Wars fans uh, just to add that to my uh, my bucket list as well
2: that would be amazing sign me up. Um, What are you uh, working on lately?
4: Not much I can really say about it, but obviously a dream come true um, to be in uh, the upcoming Mandalorian. And I can't really say anything about it, but uh, obviously uh, every child's uh, dream for I think every Star Wars fan is to be a part of that series. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am. And I really uh, greatly look forward to talking to your fans and and being back on the show after November 15th so we can uh, talk about it and celebrate our love of star star wars and uh hopefully talk about all the uh fun scenes and everything else and um obviously uh just i'm uh, beyond words uh, at this point and 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 like i said hopefully uh, after november 15th we can uh sit down and then talk about it uh, in length of uh just what a dream this has uh, been in the past year there.
2: We will definitely have you on uh once uh, the mandalorian and disney plus hits the airwaves we'd love to talk to you about your experience and uh, your uh, your role in, in the project and uh, anything you have to tell us. That would be freaking amazing. Dominic, it's fantastic. It's It's been fantastic talking to you about uh, Star Wars and how it has inspired you. I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I know our listeners uh, are going to uh, really, really enjoy this conversation. Dominic, thank you so much.
4: Thank you so much. I really look forward to it. And uh, obviously uh, grateful to all the fans for all their support.
2: Thank you so much for coming on the show.
4: My pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, hello to all the listeners. And thank you so much for following me. Greatly appreciate it. And I hope to do uh, many tours throughout the country to uh, visit many fans and uh, share in our celebration of, again, in my opinion, the greatest franchise that uh, Hollywood uh, has ever had. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, and that's the Scuttlebutt.
2: Okay, Scuttle Buddies, uh, I just want to thank all of you guys for contributing on these uh, episodes. It has been fantastic. Like I said, it was an overwhelming uh, task. We had a lot of contributors this time around. And kudos and bravo to all of you who submitted your messages on how Star Wars inspires you. Alex, what would you think? That was great. That was probably one of my favorite episodes that we've done. A little mushy a little mushy
3: I will admit so we're going to have to come on a little stronger next time but I had a ton of fun and I loved hearing from everybody how much they love Star Wars and don't forget guys you can follow us on social media on Twitter at Scarif Podcast also on Instagram and now we also have a Facebook page so you can go there to catch uh, if that's your preferred app for social media Um, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time please enjoy your holiday Uh, it's going to be over by the time they hear this so that sucks (laughs) you cut that part (laughs) I'm like it's Labor Day but it's going to be over by the time they hear it um you guys have a great week. Uh thank you for listening. Hit that like button and let us know your thoughts and don't forget to call into that number that we have also so we can put you guys in the show.
2: Yes, definitely. Let me let me tell them the let, let me I'm sorry. Let me tell them the number. It's 773-234-8659, the Scare of Scuttlebutt Hotline. 773-234-86 59. Thank you so much. Hello, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, Amanda has called in and she's left a message about what excites her about D23. We forgot to mention that. She's the first uh, caller to the of Scuttlebutt hotline. 773 234 8659. Alex, take it away. And that's the Scuttlebutt.
8: Hey there, it's Josh and Andy from the Holo Chronicles podcast. When you are driving home from a hard day's work and you need a little decompress time in the car and you want to find some Star Wars information, where do you go? The Scarif Scuttlebutt.